We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dave and I unveil a three-part plan to build a bulletproof home league fantasy football draft in 2023. What's up, Roto-B? Welcome into the Fantasy Football Podcast here on Rotoviz Radio. Did that a little backwards, but that's all right. Low on brain power with all the drafting that we've been doing this week, Dave. Uh, in, in our episode earlier this week, we gave you some insights into uh, some of the debate that we were having in our FFPC Fantasy Pros Championship draft for $1 million with 300th episode winner, uh, our sweepstakes winner, um, Adam Schimpf. Today, Dave and I, are gonna, we're going to go a little smaller, okay? We're going to talk about how to dominate your home league draft. That's what so many of our listeners are really focused on this time of year as we march closer to the NFL draft. People are in those home leagues or in those office leagues or, you know, maybe maybe even play, you know, high stakes or mid stakes, but you're just in an individual league and you're not concerned with chasing some huge tournament jackpot where you're trying to hit, you know, all of these impossible upside scenarios. You just want to churn out points week to week, figure out how to build a very solid yet flexible starting lineup and, uh, and, and win some trophy and some cash. So Dave and I are going to talk about that today. We're going to loosely adhere to Sean Siegel's article from uh, about three or four days ago on the site. So if you want to pull it up and kind of use that as a reference guide, it's called the four key elements of fantasy football home leagues and a three-part plan to build a bulletproof draft. Dave and I are going to riff uh, our style, um, but use some of the points that Sean makes in his article to kind of get into the topics. Dave, how you holding up, buddy? I'm doing all right. Um, you know, busy time of year. Uh, I have been up very late uh, working on some of the apps, kind of making some tweaks to some old ones, kind of adding into new functionality on some. Drafting in a million leagues, as you said right now, and uh, having (laughs) say no more, man. You like stunned yourself trying uh, to even answer the question about how you're doing. I did, so I'm Um, doing all right. Well, see, normally I, 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 you know, I don't feel the need to expound. So to pull this back to the episode, I will say that one question I do see come through 
yeah. a fair amount on the different channels of the site that people reach out on is if you were playing in just one draft, right? Or if you're the type of person that just has this one home league, that's really all you care about. How do you go ahead and approach that draft? And I think that there's kind of two elements to it. One is how do you get out of the headspace that we are often in where you're going to have some level of exposure to nearly every player across the fantasy landscape or where you yeah. have goals yeah. in mind that are different than what you might have in that single home league draft. And then kind of the second piece to it is how do you play in leagues that are set up a little bit differently than many of the leagues that we're talking about. So I think Sean's article does a good job of outlining that. And as we work our way through, I'll share some of my thoughts about things I might tweak in my process or consider a little bit differently if I were really just assembling like a single team in a given year. You didn't hit a drop there. Uh, yeah, I, we, we were kind of both. What's going on? <laughs> I'll tell you, we were both frozen on uh, on the stream, so I couldn't tell. Like, I, it looks. I yeah. thought that I had gone out, but. All right, Dave. So uh, we already told the the listeners, you know, kind of just here. You know, we're trying to build, you know, a really effective draft strategy for people that are, you know, either playing in fewer leagues uh, or setting up for their home league. I think a, a good exercise would be to hit up our FFPC redraft dashboard and we can use the fantasy pros championship uh, ADP. That is a much larger championship than uh, the main event. Um, and it's more affordable. You see a little bit looser strategies. Um, and I think that it's a wider swath of, you know, people from around uh, the fantasy landscape playing and it's just higher volume. So, I mean, I think that ADP is, you know, a little bit more reflective of what's going on, you know, maybe at a, a Yahoo or an ESPN site, perhaps slightly sharper than that, but that's okay. You know, because you would, you would want some of those sharp types of changes to affect your rankings and, you know, how early you're going to pull the trigger on some people in your home league so that you don't uh, miss out on some of those key players. So if you, you know, if you're on rotaviz.com and you click on our, uh, redraft tools and click on FFPC redraft dashboard, you know, we can set, you know, ADP up to the day. We can, you know, show it as an ADP draft grid, which is what I'm going to do right now. And Dave and I are going to just kind of look at this, look, look for some soft spots. And, you know, one thing that I notice just about the first four rounds this year, Dave, for people that are kind of catching up, maybe just getting into drafting this year is a few more. Well, a quarterbacks have been pushed up. And then B, um, more quarterbacks are going early. It's not even just the Konami code elite guys. Um, you know, you're starting to see kind of like those mid QB ones, mid to late QB ones, even sneak into the single digit rounds, which was just unheard of even as recent as like maybe like three or four years ago. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're playing in a home league, you know, oftentimes these leagues have fewer starting lineup spots. Right. And, you know, you might only be starting a total of nine players, including a mandatory quarterback and a mandatory tight end. Sometimes these home leagues are also only like, you know, maybe 10 teams instead of 12 teams. You know, I love, love, love having the advantage of a high end quarterback and a high end tight end uh, and home leagues. And so one piece of advice that I would definitely give, even if it's not tight end premium, you're just playing in like a regular old PPR format. I love the idea in the first three rounds, 
of having, you know, either or or both of a high-end tight end one, a high-end QB one, or, you know, like I said, maybe even both. You know, if you have an early draft spot, you know, in the first, you know, one to, in a home league, maybe in the first one to five picks, it's pretty, you know, easy to envision getting Travis Kelsey in that area. And then what comes back around at the end of round two, or maybe even the beginning of round three, you could take a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, or Josh Allen, and then you just sprinkle in, you know, your favorite high-end wide receiver or high-end running back there. And, you know, as you're filling out a, a narrower starting lineup, having that onesie position uh, advantage in scoring every single week because of just that bellwether, you know, quarterback and tight end that you're going to have is a real advantage. And it just allows you to get super aggressive um, with how you want to treat the running back and wide receiver positions. You can afford to be a little riskier taking some breakout candidates. And, um, you know, while everyone else is loading up on middling type investments at quarterback and tight end in rounds five, six, seven, eight, et cetera, you know, you're just taking your favorite wide receivers and running backs there. A um, little harder to do this towards the back half of the first round. So it's a totally different strategy. You know, if I'm in the back half of the first round, I drew picks seven to 12 and maybe even six to 12. I'm not feeling very good about probably having access to one of those top three quarterbacks. And so my focus is a little different. I'm probably going to go a little bit more balanced through those first three rounds or so. I'm probably going to end up with two wide receivers and a running back unless I wanted to take Mark Andrews in the second round out of that spot, you know, but you can really end up with some interesting rosters here with the way the ADP is going right now. You know, you're probably going to be able to take Cooper cup or Stefan Diggs or CD Lammer, Amon Ross St. Brown in the first round. And then in the second round, you've got access to running backs like, you know, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Derek Henry, you know, stacking one of those guys, a really high end running back with one of those elite wide receivers. You know, that's, to me, that that feels like a bulletproof way to start a home league draft too, Dave. What what do you think about, you know, the front half and back half of round one and how does that affect how you would approach your first couple of rounds in a home league type uh, scenario? Well, one of the things that I, that I actually think is fairly interesting this year is um, when you look at the couple of rounds across some platforms, you do see kind of this interesting mixture of almost like oscillating back and forth between running back and wide receiver. Um, things to be tend to be a little less runny, if you will, this year than in some. Um, but the other thing that really stands out to me is honestly, all of the players that I see going maybe from like pick nine um, to maybe somewhere around like halfway through the second round are all pretty similar to me. So if you're in like the back half, I feel like you have all of these different combos of players that you can go after that are fairly similar. Whereas I felt like in certain years, there's been more yeah. of a tear break, especially with what's going on at running back this year, where there's a lot of interesting situations now with these players, right? You have Jonathan Taylor. It's kind of unclear where he's going to go. Uh, you have like an older Derek Henry that some people are a little bit unsure of. You have Tony nah, man. Paul. Henry's gonna smash. No, Tony Paul. We don't, we don't talk bad about Derrick Henry on this podcast. <laughs> so, we still love Derrick Henry. So I do think it's a little bit different. And then to harken back to the conversation about being strong at quarterback and tight end, uh, I think one of the things that you do see, and I've talked about this a lot with with some of the people outside of the fantasy space that I routinely talk to, 
And I've stressed how they get so frustrated over some of the leagues they're in. Like my brother's in this Yahoo league and he always feels like he's just almost at the point of winning and, and just can't quite do it. But the thing that I stress is when you have a starting lineup where you're only starting uh, like seven players in the league that he's in, there's only so much you can control. And that's like, I think like seven, including DST and kicker. Um, which is why the players that you have in that starting group become so different. And we're in a different space now yeah. than we used to be. Whereas the top quarterbacks really do make that much of a difference. It used to be that at strong at tight end, you really only had Gronkowski or Jimmy Graham. And then there was this like cliff behind them where it didn't really matter. But now you are getting advantages there. So if somebody had checked out a fantasy for like four or five seasons, they'd be coming back into a whole new type of landscape. Uh, so those are a couple of high level thoughts there. The other thing that I would say is if you are somebody that does do all of the research, sticks with fantasy the entire year, and then goes in and does these home league drafts, I think what's important is to identify the players that keep a running list of those players that you know are undervalued on that platform and then build out a couple of different plans of how you get them into your roster based upon the way that you start. It's kind of mm. similar to the concept that I talk a lot about with when you're preparing for an auction draft. Um, you know, you need to have this list of players and you're paying attention to when it starts running thin to know that you need to start trying to get some of these players on your team. I think building out kind of those draft paths, kind of like we talked about what I set up in the um, draft dashboard this year is really important in these home leagues if you really want to find all of that advantage that you can take away. Now, that said, sometimes things are going to go a little bit differently. You might have players slip and you can pivot. But I do think that these come down a lot to planning and having those different paths set up because all of the picks when you can only make 13, 14 are really kind of magnified. There's more variance. You could argue luck is harder to account for because you have less darts in which you can throw to, you know, put these extra pieces on your team where other people might not know what to do once you get past round 14. All right. So we both, we've both kind of shared uh, some of our thoughts, just high level. Let's structure the next segment of the episode kind of around Sean's three prongs yep. uh, from this article and then um, riff on that a bit because, you know, again, like, you can, one fun thing that is, uh, I guess one fun thing about home leagues is you can be a little bit more creative, a little bit more bold because, you know, presumably the room won't be quite as sharp. Yep. Um, and so I think elements two and three prongs, two and three from this, this article kind of lean into that a little bit. So we talked about maximizing our starting lineup and Sean's, uh, points on this, uh, you know, kind of dovetail with mine. He in particular highlights the elite QBs. Um, and then talking about, you know, uh, running backs and wide receivers and, you know, winning the flex, um, not necessarily worrying about which position you're drafting, but, you know, trying to build the strongest, um, lineup after you've got those elite positions filled. But number two, Dave is building an exciting running back group. And, you know, this is especially interesting after like the first four rounds, I think in ADP on most sites, this is where we get into some players who are still early to mid career that look to be set up for uh, larger roles this season. Uh, maybe being able to draft their breakout you know, performance, but not have to fully pay for it. And a lot of these types of players 
you know, make to be good candidates as your RB1 if you did, let's say, start with a couple wide receivers and an elite quarterback and elite tight end. But these guys are also awesome options, you know, as an RB2 uh, in a home league or potentially even a flex player in a home league. Some of these guys might have a little bit more depressed ADP in, in that scenario than they would on some of these bigger uh, high stakes sites. So what do we look for? when we're talking about upside running backs, we're talking about, you know, players that play on good teams. First and foremost, what are some teams that can score a lot of touchdowns? Um, what are some players that have that home run ability? And on, on Rotoviz, we have some advanced running back statistics like broken tackle percentage, missed tackle percentage. And of course we add those together. We get an evasion percentage. Um, we also look at yards after contact. So, you know, what, what is a player bringing to the table after, you know, he gets you know, what his line blocked for him and, you know, he gets into that second level of the defense, you know, where somebody's going to get their hands on him. And Sean highlights four running backs, Dave, that I think, you know, we would agree, especially, you know, probably on three of them, maybe even on all four. And I'm wondering if we want to add a couple other names to the list for people. Uh, Cause you were talking about, Hey, building up that list of names. I think these guys could all be on that list of names, but maybe we would want to expand upon it. So Sean highlights James Cook, Brees Hall, DeAndre Swift, and J.K. Dobbins. Now, when I look at these players, Brees Hall looked absolutely the part as a rookie. You know, he gets Aaron Rodgers, the huge upgrade, and the Jets should score a lot more touchdowns. Yes, they signed Dalvin Cook, um, but we've talked a little bit about on this podcast that, you know, we think Cook's going to be more of the compliment. And, you know, even in a scenario where they both, you know, have material touches, if you want to kind of look at Rogers' previous stops, you know, maybe Brees Hall is more that Aaron Jones player that gets some of those dump offs. And, you know, he's still got some RB1 upside, but, you know, you're barely drafting him as an RB1, potentially RB2 by ADP now. Then with James Cook and DeAndre Swift, you're looking at some backs that have some receiving ability. Um, but I think there's going to be some volatility as well because they both play with some quarterbacks that have legs and will, you know, rush for some touchdowns on their own. But I mean, just the, the week to week upside of the touchdowns that the bills and the Eagles are going to score. I mean, it's really, really attractive to think about one of these guys being your RB two, or maybe even your flex player in a home league. Um, and then JK Dobbins, the Ravens are talking about Lamar Jackson running less this year. Dobbins looked absolutely electric towards the second half of last year when he got back out into the lineup. Um, they've really uh, not given him too much work, you know, this off season, uh, some of that, his own choice, you know, as he's angling for his next deal, but the Ravens are going to, they're going to run a faster pace. They're going to run a wide open offense. And I think they've got a lot of scoring uh, opportunities there as well, except that the team is dedicated maybe to Lamar running a little less, whereas we haven't heard those types of narratives out of Buffalo uh, or Philadelphia quite as much. So really love all four of those running backs. You can jot those guys down. You know, from a, a, a draft perspective, if we look at where those guys are going right now, Brees Hall's going at the end of the fourth. I think I'm still comfortable with Brees Hall at RB16, kind of counting him as an RB1 right now, Dave. Yeah. Um, especially if I took a tight end or quarterback in those first three rounds. If you want to look at some of these other players, uh, we can go to the sixth round and find J.K. Dobbins and James Cook in the mid to late sixth round, and then DeAndre Swift in the seventh. Any of those guys, uh, you know, maybe we maybe we throw Hall out because his ADP is so much higher. Do you have a favorite between Dobbins, Cook, and Swift? And then is there anybody else maybe a round or two later 
in current ADP that you would want to circle? I've got a guy in the eighth round. I'm wondering if you've got a guy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the first thing I'll say is um, the names that Sean highlighted here, I wasn't surprised to see because one thing I did before we started recording was I went to my most recent set of projections and compared where players came out in terms of ranking in their position to ESPN ADP. And J.K. Dobbins was much higher um, in my projections than where he's being drafted. And of course we've talked about, there's a lot of issues with projections, but when you see very large deltas, you know, it's, it points to there likely being a, a misprice in that player's ADP. And the other one was James cook. He's currently running back 30 on ESPN ADP, but in my projections, I think he's looking much closer to an RB one. Uh, and you know, if I put things together a little bit, uh, you know, higher level. He just stands out to me as a player that's being very mispriced uh, on some of these formats. So I really like him. As you mentioned, he's one of these players in a high-powered offense. I think some of what we're seeing with that ADP is people thought that he might be able to really take control last year. We have a different situation this year. I think it's going to manifest. As I was mm -hmm. looking through this exercise, a couple other players that kind of also stood out to me now, I know we've talked a lot, Curtis, about Antonio Gibson, but I that also... my guy. <laughs> that's, the name, that's the name I was going to say. So I, yeah. I would put, with those four guys, I would put Antonio Gibson as my fifth, and I, I think you're getting ready to say another name. Yeah, I was going to say, so I actually think that if you, if you can't get Antonio Gibson, uh, I actually think that there's a little bit of utility in going after his teammate, Brian Robinson. Now, it probably mm -hmm. depends on what platform that you are on, but I know as I went through the process last night of updating ADP for the draft dashboard, I did see on some sites it looks like he's kind of uh, going a decent clip after where I think he gets into the conversation with some other players about being taken. Uh, and some of this might come from the fact that I do think we're going to see some changes this year in the way that the commanders operate and that some of those touches are going to be of a higher quality. So he's another name that I would float out there. Uh, you know, if perhaps if, if you can't get Gibson onto your team. All right. So we've got, there's six names for you in terms of building an exciting running back group. Um, the, the, these are all guys that probably in a home league can be your running back too, or maybe even your flex save Brees Hall. So I think the mm -hmm. takeaway there is, you know, Hey, with, 
with Brees or even a player like Travis Etienne in that same round. Those are guys you could probably wait on in a home league and have as your RB1. Uh, and we'd feel pretty comfortable with that. Now, at the top of drafts, just to kind of put a bow on running backs before we talk about wide receivers, which is the other point from Sean's article, um, you know, I, Christian McCaffrey is probably still going to drag a lot of teams towards titles this year. I think Austin Eckler can also do it. Then I think there is a gap. You know, Bijan Robinson's being drafted really aggressively, and I think a lot of play, a lot of big time fantasy analysts are ranking him aggressively and. And we don't necessarily disagree with the assessment of talent. We're high on Bijan and and Dynasty and you know all of those things. You know, but I don't think we can look at him exactly like CMC or Eckler, you know, quite yet. And so I really like in the back half of that first round, more so those those wide receivers. And I would rather take a running back from the second round where, where I don't think there's much of a gap between what we could get from Bijan Robinson and Nick Chubb versus Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, or Derrick Henry. So when you're thinking about that first running back, you know, top half of the first round, CMC and Eckler. Um, Back half of the first round, let's take a wide receiver instead and then grab, you know, if you want to grab an early running back, do it in the second. Now, the third prong in Sean's article uh, it's, it's a lengthy one. Um, we got to have commas and Sean's, you know, and Sean's subtitles in, in articles, they always got to have commas or semicolons or, you know, you know, it reminds me of like the old sixties, Adam West, Batman, uh, <laughs> episodes. Did you ever watch those growing up where there's Absolutely. like alternative titles to everything? Yep. Yeah. Um, create a decent base and then load up on young breakout wide receivers. And I think for home leagues, this is just perfect because, when you're drafting in a home league early and it's not a tournament, you know, you don't really need to, there's not necessarily the same type of, of upside or, or even necessity for taking, let's say taking the risk on, I don't know. Um, let's say you're in a tournament and, and you want to be aggressive and you say, I'm going to take Amon Ross St. Brown because I think he could be the next Cooper cup. Mm-hmm. Well, in a home league, just take the actual Cooper cup, you know, Um, or, or I think Garrett Wilson is going to really explode and be Aaron Rodgers wide receiver one, Um, man, he could really put up numbers like Stefan Diggs. Okay. Well, just take Stefan Diggs. We already know what his role is. Right. And, you know, I think there's a, you know, at the beginning of these drafts, you know, Dave and I have talked a lot about this, even in, at the, in rounds two and three, you know, we've been taking, Keenan Allen in particular over people like Calvin Ridley, where you got to project that a little bit. Um, you know, I, that, that is what I would say is I'm leaning towards those veterans with established, huge target market shares, um, established relationships with their quarterbacks. Let's just like set our alarms to that and know that we're going to get those points. You know, when the alarm buzzes on Sunday, you know, each week for our, our fantasy lineup, then let's get one or two of those types of receivers, established guys, you know, down in that next couple of rounds, you know, other examples of this are like, yeah, you could take, you could take Christian Watson. I mean, you could do that, but you could also take Amari Cooper or Debo Samuel who have done it time and time again. uh, And, and are a little bit more established, you know, you don't necessarily need to take that risk in the fourth round, but let's get a little deeper. Let's say you've started your draft. Now you've got a Cooper Cup or a Stephon Diggs or Devonte Adams, and then a couple of rounds later you've got that, you know, Amari or Debo 
or Tyler Lockett, you know, players like that, Christian Kirk. But let's get into the late single digit rounds. And and maybe we're even filling out those first couple bench spots for your team. This is where we want to get aggressive because if you do hit on some of those, you know, riskier upside type players from your bench, instead of counting on them in your starting lineup early, once those guys pop, now you've got a real monster that all of your buddies are going to hate playing against every week. So when we get into rounds like 8, 9, 10, 11, a wide receiver in particular, that's where I think it's fun to play around this year. You can take some rookies and some other other early career guys. Like, you know, from the rookies in this range, we're talking about, you know, Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison in particular. I think... There you go, Dave. There you go. I mean, Jordan Addison, he's stepping into that Adam Thielen kind of number two wide receiver role uh, in Minnesota. There's tons of upside there. He's got lots of dome games. I mean, everyone has to pay attention to Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkins, uh, TJ Hawkinson. So Jordan Addison is a perfect example of a first post flex player, that number one bench player on a home league team. I love that idea. Zay Flowers also maybe to a slightly lesser degree because, you know, there's a chance maybe he's like the number three asset there in Baltimore was I think Jordan Addison probably could be the number three in, in Minnesota, you know, on day one, but he doesn't have to deal with Lamar Jackson running around. Kirk Cousins is going to distribute that ball. There's probably more targets to go around in Minnesota, but even going down a little bit more, we don't have to only focus on rookies. We can talk about some second or third, or maybe even fourth-year players that are set up really nicely. So players like Traylon Burks, Gabriel Davis, Quentin Johnston, Romeo Dobbs, like these are players that are young and haven't shown us that ceiling yet. But again, first or second bench player in a home league, perfect, perfect type of profile to draft. Uh, because if they pop, you know, you're, you know, now you got this tough choice of who I'm actually going to play in the flex, or maybe they just help your team become an overwhelming monster. Um, Dave, are there any players in that range that I didn't mention that you think that we should pull up or maybe even a couple players, another layer down in those early double digit rounds that you would consider to be, you know, some of those upside wide receivers for a home league draft? Well, I'm not exactly sure that you're going to think that this player fits into the mold of what you were looking for, but I'm going to kind of do the politician thing here where you get a question, you just kind of answer it how you were hoping that you would have been asked. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I think we should talk a little bit about. Yeah, I think that makes sense now, especially, you know, the breaking news of Jerry Judy's hammy uh, makes him even more interesting. So go ahead. So I was going to say that in this team, now I'm not as convinced as you that Denver takes this big step forward, but it's definitely a possibility with Sean Payton there now. Uh, you know, maybe he gets a little bit of a renaissance for Russell Wilson. But the but the but really the, the thing here is above and beyond that, Jerry Judy, I think for a lot of people, was locked in, uh, you know, as this player that was in an entirely different tier. Well, when I look at that offense, I think you could make a case that even if they were both on the field equally across the season, you might actually see sudden approximate the target share that would go towards Judy. And I'm not sure that Judy's looks were going to be of a significantly different quality. As a result of that, even before this Judy news broke, I thought that Sutton was the type of guy that had more upside in comparison to where you were drafting him on your team. 
Uh, so he became an attractive option to me. Now, I'm not sure that there's going to be enough of a correction for the fact that there's this news with Judy in the next couple of days. So he's a player I would definitely be thinking about that I could see still slipping past where he should go. Um, you know, another name earlier on that I do think is interesting is uh, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson. Some of these guys are known about. Uh, and then the other names, I've mentioned them all summer, but I still think Alan Lazard, you got to look at later. A little bit of the pressure for some of those targets with Corey Davis retiring is taken off of him. Uh, so maybe not quite as deep as you were looking for, but a couple of names I wanted to toss out. Curtis, I think you're muted. I think those are good points and good players to mention. And I'll kind of segue um, that in towards the the wrap-up of the show here. Um, a point that Sean didn't make, but that I think makes a lot of, of sense for home leagues is, you know, let's get those entrenched veterans at the top of the draft. Let's get some of these young, exciting guys that you don't really have to squint to make the upside case for. But then we get into, you know, I don't know, a lot of home league drafts, Dave, you know, they, they're only 14 or 15 rounds, right? And so let's not get crazy and only draft these young guys right. with undefined roles. I want to take one or two of those guys in like that 8, 9, 10, 11 range uh, of my draft. But then I, I also want to get some players that I can use early in the season, maybe I'm, while I'm waiting for a week or two to get some more information on these young breakout players. And I want to be assured that I've got some players that are better than waiver wire quality at the end of my bench. And so when I get into rounds 12, 13, 14, some players that I think make a lot of sense to complete your roster. Lazard is a perfect name. We know he's got that relationship with Aaron Rodgers. We're pretty sure he's going to be the number two option there uh, in New York, but he's being drafted as wide receiver 55. Uh, he was far better than that last year. Yep. Not hard to imagine that he would be better than that this year. Um, you know, even players like, you know, Tyler Boyd, Adam, Adam Thielen. Oh, same time. You know, yep. Yeah. The, the, I mean, those are uh, Jacoby Myers. Like those yeah. are players that, okay. Like, you know, if you're trading football cards, like, okay, you know, I, well, I get it. <laughs> like if you're building a, di if you're building a dynasty team, like those aren't, they're not exciting names, but they're awesome names um, to help you get through those first couple weeks of your season. Um, if you get into an injury pinch or, you know, maybe, you know, they save you potentially even um, if, if your breakout candidate doesn't actually even hit. Now at the running back position, if you're looking for some players um, and, and I would really only recommend maybe taking like one of these types of players in a home league situation, but if you've never heard of Sean Siegel's zero running back countdown, don't be like thrown off by that, by that term of zero running back. Like, you know, we, we use this uh, to play, you know, really big events and differentiate and take advantage of the waiver wire and, you know, all of these types of things. You don't necessarily need to load up on every single running back that he lists amongst those 15 in his three, uh, in his three articles, but, you know, drafting one or two of those guys from that list, I think is a great, idea for a home league but then there's going to be some players that aren't on that list that that also you know you know make a lot of sense you know i think sean highlighted one miami dolphins running back who we won't name on here because he's a little younger but i i really like the idea of drafting like jeff wilson in round 13 of my home league uh you know he he is different than both of the smaller 
Miami Dolphins running backs, that that offense is going to be high flying. And he was highly effective when he was healthy last year. Um, you know, uh, I'm looking even a little bit earlier than that, just slightly. And, you know, round 10 area, Jarek McKinnon, Rashad Penny, you know, Tyler Algier. These aren't, I mean, they're not names that are going to turn any heads at your home league draft, but again, they can help cover up some either deficiencies from earlier rounds or, um, you know, you know, maybe you drafted Alvin Kamara and you just need a, a player that you can start for those first three weeks until he comes back. You know, these are the types of names that you really need to be considering. Um, so Dave, I may think we've got a pretty good blueprint there for home leagues. You know, we just don't want to be quite as risky. If you've been consuming tons of fantasy content all summer, that's really been directed at huge best ball tournaments uh, or high stakes formats where the playoffs are, you know, elimination style, uh, it, it, you know, tournament slash elimination style. Home league is just a totally different beast. Like we want a really high floor every single week while still having some access to ceiling. So we're going to just build a little bit more balanced, a little less risky. And, um, you know, but you still, you still want that exciting name or two to potentially pop to bring that trophy home. Anything you want to add at the end here? No, I just think that uh, this conversation underscores that like most things in life, there is this balance. And and the final little anecdote I'll give here is the conversation that I always had with my brother when he was drafting and why I said, you know, you're not making it over that hump is he, he would only want to draft what he called known entities. So these were players that had proven that they could return on the ADP that they were at. But I said, you know, that's fine, like you said, Curtis, for the first couple of rounds. But for in order for your team to really be the one that wins everything, yeah. you're going to need a couple guys that vastly outperform where they go. And you only get that in about 95% of scenarios when you draft the player that is younger, that you're taking the stance this player is going to break out. Otherwise you know, your odds of hitting, go into the range of outcomes tool and look at these veterans five, six years in the league. And you're going to see that the overall majority just start to creep downward. Very rarely do you yeah. see it go up. So you got to make yourself a yeah. little bit uncomfortable. You get a couple of uncomfortable picks on your team, probably in the middle of the rounds. You take some of Curtis's advice elsewhere. And I think that, you know, we're going to crush some leaves this year. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.